Okay, for well, example, you know it could be a great question for this episode. What is full stack jam stack? What? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and who are, <laughs> who are we? Who are we? Those are our two questions. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just going to be a bit annoying. I just ask the question, what is the point of the podcast? Obviously, to me, it is to teach, inform, teach and inform. How do you, how do you separate teaching from informing? That's a good question. That's a good question. Hello, everyone. This is the Full Stack Jam Stack podcast, and we're your hosts, Anthony Campolo and Christopher Burns. All right. Episode zero. So you're probably wondering, who are we? What is this? Why are you listening to this? We're going to explain what is Full Stack Jam Stack. We're going to talk a lot about what it means to us, our experience with it. First thing we want to talk about is, what's the point of this podcast? What is the point of this podcast to you, Chris? The point of this podcast is that I believe that jam is such a wide range of things. What is jam? What is jam? JavaScript, APIs, and markdown. And markup. Oh, so and that's a great up. question. Mark markdown up. or markup? So I usually hear it's markup when I look it up online, but so much of what I think of as Jamstack actually does involve markdown specifically. So for, for those who don't know, markup would be anything like HTML or any sort of markup language, whereas Markdown is a very specific, lightweight markup language that is used in GitHub readmes and on things like Dev2. I usually think of Markdown as being a really important part of the Jamstack, but I think usually they go with markup. Well, I've been doing Jamstack websites now for a few years, and I don't think I've ever used Markdown. I would go with markup. Even in like a, a Gatsby site, you don't use Markdown? Sadly not. Most times that I've actually built websites with uh, Jam, I've always gone with a third-party CMS source like Sanity or Contentful or even Netlify CMS. Do they so, have like GUI editors that you use? Yeah, all three of them have GUI editors, especially Contentful. The, the one that I'm most popular with is Contentful, the headless CMS. But basically, it's really easy to just plug in with Gatsby and get going. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Kind of. CMS is our big part is of the, the Jam stack. Oh, wow. Are we here to talk about Jam and FS Jam or just FS Jam, you know? Yeah, well, I think to talk about FS Jam, people need to know what Jam is first. So I think it yeah. is important to kind of kind of set that context. So we've, we've said that the acronym JavaScript APIs and markup, but it's also worth mentioning that the, the acronym is they're trying to phase it out. That's why you now will see it as lowercase Jam instead of uppercase Jam. The idea being that there's lots of different tools and lots of different languages that do this. It's not only JavaScript, because, I mean, this kind of started with things like Jekyll and Hugo, which are Ruby and Go. And wait until we get to Rusty Jam. For, like, <laughs> Rust, the language. <laughs> yeah. I've not touched Rust, but I know there's, like, tons of people that are like, build JavaScript tools in Rust. I'm like, I, d I don't even know how you would do that. Yeah, Rust is really fascinating. I've read the first like chapter of the Rust Hello World book, which is um really, really fantastic. I highly recommend it. We'll put that in the show notes. But um, yeah. definitely not here to talk about Rust. <laughs> no, but what is Jam? Jam is a architecture. And what does that mean? For a while in computing, in web development, we would run servers, monolithic applications. 
And so the server is of the client server being the other half. So if I'm the client, I'm a person on my phone trying to find my thing online. And to get that information, I'm hitting a server. Most typically, this would be WordPress. If we talk about back in the day, five years ago. Back in my day. Back in the day, and, five years and ago. WordPress being an example of a monolithic application. Yes. I, I truly don't know what monolithic even means. I don't want to be that guy, but there's just too many well, terms is, sometimes. This is great, though, because monolithic has to do with full stack, I think. It's a thing that full stack applications have kind of been saddled with as an insult, being like, oh, this is too monolithic. We need to break up the monolith. I think of the idea of the monolith is when your full application is tightly coupled in the sense of you have your database backend where the data is actually being persisted. And then you have your front end, your views, which is whatever visual thing is happening. And if those two things can't be easily separated from each other, then it's a monolith. And so the Jamstack is the idea of having your backends and your front ends be highly decoupled because then you can make your front end look however you want. And you can easily plug it into different backends to get the data. And then you're not locked into either one specific data source or one specific view layer. To, to add on that, so with a jam, what we have is a universal front end, normally in JavaScript, as the J stands for. And then what we follow with that is services. A service can be anything that is either interactability when the website loads or in the build time to help build the content into a static website. If we talk about them services, they either go one of two ways. You have software as a service where they encapsulate a function for a specific purpose, such as you will have a service for logging in your user, such as Auth0 or Magic Links or Netlify. Then you will have a content management system that will be fetching the data of what to import onto the web page, such as Contentful or Sanity or even WordPress these days. And then you have the other side. So you have services that are basically paid companies giving you functionality and your Jamstack front end builds it all together into either an application, a static website like a blog, or you have the other side that's a fully built service by yourself. So that is functions that you build yourself that feed into your front end. As this has been built out, we have seen the market move and change and be created quite fast for what we believe is this brand new area of Jam. Anthony was the first one to even think about it, but I was the first one to coin it to a certain extent. <laughs> think about it. I don't think either of us were the first ones. I think that Redwood no. was calling themselves full stack Jam stack before yeah, either of us well, thought of it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> What I mean was, I, I was trying to then go on to explain what FS Jam is. I was talking I was about full stack to... React before I was really thinking about full stack Jamstack, and that's kind oh, of yeah, what okay. led me into thinking about full stack Jamstack was because the the idea of full stack React was something that was really relevant to me as a bootcamp student learning React because I've been learning React. You learn it in a very decoupled way, like you learn it just by itself, which is great. Like it makes sense pedagogically and from a curriculum standpoint, but eventually you have to actually build something with it. <laughs> eventually you have to actually connect it to all this other stuff to get it to do anything useful 
useful. And so that's why the idea of full stack react was something that I was thinking about a lot. And there's a really great podcast interview between Michael Chan and Adam Wadden, where they talk about this It's called react is not a rails competitor. As I was reading about that and becoming interested in that things like Redwood and Blitz and now Bison started coming out and we're specifically using the term full stack jam stack and building with react. When we say full stack, what does that mean? First, before we say what does that mean, is to say what has it came from. As simply put, everybody takes React and the concepts of JavaScript in different ways, in different speeds, in different directions. When you first start learning React, your first thing to do is to do create a React app. Well, it started before Create React App. Yeah, Create React App came out around like 2016. They wanted to take the configuration away. So they didn't want to mess around with the Webpack stuff. So it was meant to abstract away the initial configuration setup, but it wasn't meant to provide a full solution with a persistence layer. Exactly. In 2016 to early Jamstack, what people did was create their React apps and then host them themselves in multiple different environments, such as things like EC2s, if you would have to host it yourself. EC2 as... being a main server that you oh. rent from AWS. AWS. So on Amazon Web Service, if you right. want to just spin up a basic server running Linux or some flavor of it, you get an EC2. And then there's also similar versions of this for GCP and Azure, or even like DigitalOcean or Linode. And people are using services like Netlify and Vercel. People still also host on the layer one, but I find that a lot of people have started moving to these other services. And this is where I start to think of it becoming like the Jamstack and not just hosting a static file is once these kind of services started coming out. And this is where it moves on to how the Jamstack started. When we originally got Cray React app, and then people found out that while the configuration was great, it wasn't enough. I, I like to call them distributions of React distros. So if you think of distros, Linux, yeah, yeah, I think them. I I always think of them as distros because if you think about how Linux works, Linux runs under every single distribution and that is ubuntu or mint linux runs under all of them with react and jam a lot of them run react as the base layer such as gatsby and next.js these were the first i would say prominent ones after hugo yeah so what so what you call a distro then is what i and i think a lot of people are calling meta frameworks which is that it's a it's a framework that's built on top of another framework or a library. I don't want to get into the library versus framework argument when we're getting into the meta stuff too. So I just yeah. abstract all that away and just say, if you're building on top of React, Vue, or Svelte, you're a meta framework. This would be for React, Next, Gatsby. For Vue, it would be Gridsum or Nuxt. And then for Svelte, it would be Sapper or Elder. I've been calling them meta frameworks. I know some other people use that terminology. I think I've heard other people call them distributions too. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting idea. React was always saying we're a JavaScript library for UI, is that it wasn't meant to be this full solution. So it's natural that we would build these layers of abstraction on top of it. And with things like Gatsby and Next, came the concept well it obviously came before of statically hosting the file with pre-rendered content that would then be rehydrated after page loads with more javascript you could then distribute it across a geographic region you could have those static files hosted on many servers around the world then for someone like yourself 
across the pond, you wouldn't have to hit Virginia every time you want to get your data. By hosting the HTML on a CDN, the code is always at the edge of the network. Load times are brought way down. That's really how Jam started. And what we see Jam being now is it's very much amalgamator? Amalgamation? Amalgamation Amalgamation of all of these services and all of these systems and functions built into one pretty package that's the end product ideally that's that's what we're trying to get to as it started to grow people started really saying cool it's great i could connect to these five services to build my blog but what happens if i want to build something a bit more complex like a dashboard you know a SaaS application what if you want twitter for pets i need to build my own functions my own data my own magic and that's where fs jam comes in and what we think full stack jam is is all the benefits of jam built with also your own technology and magic function calling calling your own functions what else so when i think of full stack jam stack i think of your whole application being it doesn't necessarily have to be a mono repo but the kind of idea being that your whole project is coherent in the sense that it's not this super distributed thing where you're hitting all these different services and you have to figure out, you know, like, where should I be doing logging? Where should I be looking for a stack trace? All of your stuff is in one single place that you can think about your front end view, you have some sort of controller layer, and then you have some sort of database kind of model. It doesn't have to necessarily be MVC, but I think having those different pieces all together in a way that's fairly coherent is for me what is really important here having to learn all these different technologies is already challenging enough that if you don't actually understand how to integrate them and what your data flow is your problems compound so much faster very much so but i think it's really worth talking about the key pillar of fs jam is prisma 2 and orms i could give some really good context here Um, yeah so let's talk about that we've been talking about having your front end and your back end connected in a way that makes sense you don't want to be monolithic you still want to be able to separate the two pieces but you want to have them integrated in a way that makes sense and i think part of how you accomplish this is by having a really good tool to mediate between the two layers. There's a couple terms we're gonna throw at you. ORM is Object Relational Mapper. Prisma does not define itself as an ORM. It defines itself as a query builder. A query builder is like an ORM, but it's slightly lower level. So it's closer to the database, it's closer to the metal. In general, query builder, ORM, these are tools that we use to mediate between our front end and our back end. And Prisma 2 is one of the few consistent components of all three of the frameworks that we're going to be talking about a lot. I think it starts with Prisma 1. Great, let's talk about that. What's the difference between Prisma 1 and Prisma 2? Most people probably don't know. (laughs) Prisma 1 is the original version of Prisma. It used to just be called Prisma. Actually, you know what the original version of Prisma was? Graphcool. Graphcool, yeah, (laughs) Graphcool. But okay, I have a lot of history with Prisma 1 that I can obviously talk about. 
but that involves like talking about how I built an FS Jam before FS Jam. Give as much context as you need. I think that's actually a, a great thing to talk about. The fact that this is a term that's being put on a thing that describes something you've already been doing. Yeah. Prisma 1 came around and the real use case of it was that you could easily write to a database using a common interface such as a JavaScript libraries. You would put all the things you need into a query and bish bash osh, it would be in your database five seconds later. There was a lot of drawbacks to Prisma 1 versus Prisma 2. For example, Prisma 1, you had to have an always running server. Normally in a Dockerized system, your application, while it could be compiled down to JavaScript using something like Gatsby, it would be communicating with an always online server. And that always online server was communicating communicating with the database. And what does this uh, have to do with GraphQL? What does this have to do with GraphQL? They didn't use GraphQL for Prisma 1. Technically, you don't need GraphQL for Prisma 2. Wait, I thought they did use GraphQL for Prisma 1, and then they stopped using GraphQL for Prisma 2. And that's why there's all this confusion about whether Prisma is GraphQL or not. You know what? I'm going to have to check my repository base now in Prisma 1. Because what you were describing the for Prisma 1, I have heard that exact same description, and it's just, it's a GraphQL server, is the server you were talking about, was a GraphQL server. It is, it is, it is. No, it isn't. It is, it isn't. I think the ORM was in GraphQL. No, because it did REST. Let me just check my API. But what you're well, you thinking can, about is you can do REST Nexus. with GraphQL. You build a GraphQL layer on top of your REST endpoint so that you just have that one kind of God API endpoint. Yeah. And then you're so just hitting you're... that and sending the queries. Okay. So what you're talking about is actually Nexus that was built in GraphQL. I think Prisma 1, essentially, they kind of forked into different projects. So they took the GraphQL yeah. part out of it and that's what now is Nexus. Based on okay, the research I've done right. into this, that seems to be what happened. Okay, okay. I'm just looking at my code. And no, Prisma 1, in all essence, didn't use GraphQL. It was just, just like Prisma 2, i.e. an NPM library that you obviously import and you build and then import it in. So just there's like, no like schema definition language or anything like that? There's no resolvers? Uh, no, but that's where they built nexus i believe was the name of it and obviously these tools have been far developed further with prisma 2 but basically the whole point with nexus was cool you've built an api uh, with prisma 1 why not also open that to your front end it's all coming back to me now it's all coming back to me sorry yes okay now we got it prisma 1 the original communication method was a graphql endpoint you okay. don't say. <laughs> I know. So I, I, I just remember. I'm just obviously looking at my code. You have to think this was. No, this is amazing because I, I had to figure all this out before I had even used either Prisma, Prisma 1 or Prisma 2. Because when I was learning this, I hadn't used any of these freaking tools. And I was like, okay, so Blitz. Blitz uses GraphQL, right? Because it uses Prisma. Like, no, Prisma doesn't use GraphQL. What are you talking about? There was two parts to Prisma 1. That was the Prisma client and Nexus Prisma. Nexus would connect to your GraphQL endpoint of Prisma 1, so your Prisma 1 GraphQL endpoint, and then would build a client that you could interact with in JavaScript. 
basically. That makes perfect sense because that's what we still what have Prisma now 2. with Prisma yes. 2 is you have a yes. JavaScript client that gets created, but that is now abstracted away from GraphQL. Yes. You could have used just the GraphQL endpoint without the Nexus part, but it was basically an open server that you could do whatever you want with. How you have to imagine it was a three-hop process. Your front end would jump to your server. Your server would jump to the Prisma 1, and then the Prisma 1 service would then talk to the database, and then all the way back. With Prisma 2, the stack was simplified with no always running runtime. What does that mean? What actually happens now, you speak to your service, so your API, your API then directly speaks to your database. I do not remember truly how they do this voodoo magic, but it does a lot in the background using their clients. That's why you're using it. Yeah. So you don't have to figure that out yourself. Exactly. Why, you know, why do I know so much about Prisma 1? Prisma 1 was the base. And with Prisma 2, a lot of things were moved around, simplified and expanded. Prisma 2 was renamed to Prisma. They pulled an Angular. Prisma. Yeah, they yeah. were going to call it two but then they're like nah let's just call it the first thing Prisma. and then we'll <laughs> yeah. wait it out eventually people will forget that the other thing was a thing and we'll just have to deal with like a year of everyone being confused yes so now it's just prisma because we don't like second versions anymore yeah so that was one part but you still had to before fs jam and these frameworks that we'll talk about in a minute you still had to run your own services how did people do that well the popular methods was using serverless framework that you would write your own functions and that would push them to aws for you or as far as i know the serverless framework is an abstraction on top of cloud formation yes but it also does compile to other providers now but basically they took the approach of zip it and ship it they do all the management of uploading it to aws getting it running on aws you run one command and they give you an endpoint URL and you go, hooray, I've saved myself X amount of hours, you know? So in the past we had say our front end in Gatsby or just create a React app that then connected to a server full or serverless server. And that serverless or server full server would speak to that Prisma one client and hop back and forth. As you could expect, that required a lot of management, a lot of developer time. In my case, you were deploying your own functions to AWS, managing a Dockerized Prisma container, and also where is your front end uploaded? For me, it was Netlify. And all them technologies I saw early on and thought, this is the future, but I had to basically build my own glue there. And then, Prisma 2 happened, and that's what we get onto today with FSJAM. Prisma 2 simplified the stack, as we said. You you basically could easily connect and, and talk to a database with your serverless functions, making it easier for developer experience. What came next was the big point, the, uh, the explosion. It started, obviously, we can't say which one came first of Redwood or Blitz, uh, sure you could. <laughs> well, this is the point. You you could There's say commit which history. one was you just go their commit history and look which commit exactly. is first. But Peter and Tom from Redwood have said they've been working on it for the last two years, and they could have removed it around different repos, removed the Git history, restarted it. The concepts have been around, but the biggest thing that came with FS Jam is the magical abstraction layer that came above it. They are in the forms of meta frameworks, as Anthony and I call them, such as Redwood and Blitz, 
And what they allow you to do is basically abstract multiple things into one framework. React has gone from the point of just being a UI library to being a management tool of a front end and also integrating in a monorepo solution and API your functions and your front end would be zipped and shipped to Netlify and Netlify would build them. And there you go. You have a full application. Your React can speak to your server and your server speaks to your database and back and forth. This is very much a very brand new area and there's a lot to discuss. But the biggest point that always will come up, and this is where we talk about the philosophies of FSJAM, each meta framework will tackle this subject very differently. But what we like to think of FSJAM is a pattern. And what we mean by a pattern is what tick boxes does each one of these FSJAM frameworks tick to say, this is an FSJAM framework, such as I would say the first one would be easy management of an API with a front end with something like Prisma 2. But this is where you say, I don't want to use Prisma 2. I want to use Fauna. Technically, Prisma 2 is not a required bit of technology, really. It's, I would say, the services connected to the front end. Transferring that data between your own API and your own front end. What would you say the next one with Anthony? For me, it's having some sort of language that both your front end and back end speaks. So this may be GraphQL, but it doesn't have to be. It could be just a JSON API. Basically, you have a consistent either like data structure or language that allows your front end and your back end to know both what they're speaking. So to make like type safety easy, to make querying easy, I find that this is a key differentiator between Blitz and Redwood is that Redwood is all in on GraphQL, whereas Blitz draws you away from GraphQL. GraphQL, you can use GraphQL, but the default is really not to. What you talked about, there's not really requirements, I think so much as preferences. Prisma is not a requirement of FSJAM, but it's the preference of these frameworks. And so there's some things that they all have a similar preference, and there's some where they differ, like they don't all use Apollo. Blitz uses React Query instead of Apollo for their client, I believe. And they don't necessarily agree on CSS. Some go heavier into Tailwind, some go into Chakra. I believe Bison uses Chakra. And I think yeah. Blitz is agnostic to CSS. So is, so is Redwood, but we have Tailwind Generator. So I think Tailwind is the favored choice, even though it's not required. I think looking at these different stacks, there's really interesting comparisons to draw between them. I think the key bit of information to take away from this is that when you say, I want to start learning an FSJAM framework, you really got to say, what opinions am I happy with and what opinions am I not happy with? For example, I know I could be building a multi-client service that could have a TV app and a, uh, a web app. So you would want a unified interface, such as GraphQL. So Blitz, maybe not your default choice. Maybe Redwood is. But if you want yeah, more monolithic. of a typical monolithic, you would go with something more like Blitz. But the area is still brand new. 
I would even say that React is not a requirement. It's more of a preference. We are yet to see FS Jam be tackled in Vue or... Yeah, so I've, I've, this is something I'm really interested in is full stack Jam stack stuff that is not in React. So I haven't seen the term used very much, but I've definitely seen projects that I would consider FS Jam. We'll link to this in the show notes. There's a really great video by a YouTuber, Faraday Academy. Her name is Gwen. She put together a video where it's Gridsome and Strappy. So Gridsome is kind of like a... Gatsby for Vue, and then Strappy is like a CMS backend that has a lot of flexibility. She built out a full stack Jamstack application with Strappy and Gridsome. I thought when I saw it, I was like, this is, yeah, this is it. This is exactly what we're doing, but in Vue. Since you look at the timelines of these things, I think Svelte is probably going to be a little bit behind just because it's newer. I imagine that we're going to, over the next year or two, start to see these things emerge in Svelte world as well. I would also say that you could say that you have Brownfield FS Jam. What is Brownfield FS Jam? I would define Gatsby as Brownfield FS Jam. Them fighting words. Yeah. Such as, <laughs> such as you could build your own Prisma 2 serverless infrastructure that is connected to Next or Gatsby. And that's more typical Jam with the FS Jam added to it. I would call them Brownfield FS Jam. But we have the Greenfield FS Jam, the first three, and I'm sure there'll be many more. I'd love to see many more, even in view and Svelte? Yes. Um, It means like slim and slender because everything gets compiled away. So you have a really tiny bundle. That's why that's why it's called Svelte. I've still not even tried it. I've never tried Vue as well. I'm very bad. Um, Tunnel vision. Tunnel vision. Yeah, I mean, you have to specialize, you know, you can't really be an expert in all three. But if you know React really well, you'll pick up Vue in like a day. Same with Svelte. Svelte has the most concise syntax. Mm. It's really, really nice and and easy to write in. But being newer, Mm. there's less things things built around it it's kind of are you just interested in kind of learning this slightly new paradigm of how to work with components i think they're they're super fascinating i like seeing what's happening in every sphere that's adjacent to the the sphere i'm in very much back to the point of what is fs jam the philosophies we obviously have the first one a data tool to connect your services to a database that would be your first one that could be something like prisma 2 or fauna then you have your second one compiled down in a mono repo of some sort all of your code is git committed together and in a universal language such as javascript your third one bring your own options i guess you know what tools do you want to use with that such as react or Vue or even spell we yet see and this is very much a podcast where we're trying to grow community around the overhead group of repos of distributions where we understand that we want all of these things in an opinionated style and we're here to bridge the gap between the difference of blitz and redwood and bison because all three of them have the same goal at the end of the day it's just a different opinionated version of how you want to achieve that goal and we believe they all are tackling the same problem and that's why we wanted to create this community above it to say let's help each of these work together bridge the gap where we can and make sure that we are really getting the most out of javascript 
we want to make it a big tent. We want to be as inclusive as possible with other projects and other frameworks and to get a dialogue going and speak between the different communities to share ideas, to build connections. Yeah, because like Chris said, we're all aiming towards the same goal. We have some different ideas of how to get there. But I think that's what makes for really interesting discussions and what makes us all grow and get better. Yeah. There's a lot of things we want to talk about, but one of the sections we want to have in the podcast is question and answer. The questions can be as simply as what do you think of this or explain this, you know, because we're quite knowledgeable in very different areas. Anthony is very knowledgeable in theory and I'm very knowledgeable in practical. I don't know, nothing practical. Can't do anything. Exactly. Your theory, I'm practical. You know all the magic words, and I know how to implement the magic words. <laughs> like, you know. And how should you get them questions to us, you might ask. We would really like your questions to be tweeted to us. The Twitter handle is fsjam.org. So F-S-J-A-M-O-R-G. Yeah, just tweet them at us. We will get around to answering them in the episodes. We also have a Discord, don't we? We also do have a Discord. To join our Discord, it will be in the description, but the code is C7NQAPP as well. So come and join us and let's chat some FS Jam. Yeah, thank you for listening. We're really looking forward to building out this project. Feel free to send us a message or tweet at us. If there's anything you want us to talk about, if you want to come on and talk about what you're doing, we're open to anyone who wants to come on and talk about what they're doing in this space. And I think with that, unless you have anything else, Christopher? We are really open to guests, no matter how big or small. If you think you could really bring an engaging subject to this podcast, please reach out to us on Twitter. That's everything from me. All right. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next time. Is that okay? Dude, that was great. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I mean, that was great. That was so much fun.